Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers. The camel section in Breath of the Wild can get fucked, and we have a guest today. Guest? <laughs> Hello, I'm Nathan Hawley. Uh, I am uh, zero on For Light and Dice. Yes. Uh, Charles. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that to start out with, so you just segued straight into it. <laughs> right into the promo, let's go. Nathan, they are a another one of my fellow cast members on For Light and Dice. Nathan, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Zero, the amnesiac droid. Yes, uh, Zero uh, is a droid. The, the design is the uh, the sort of ferryman, boatman droid from the ninth Jedi, the sort of big hulking, rusty looking guy who drinks tea. Um, and uh, yeah, they uh, uh, don't remember anything. They were found on the ship and um, various secrets have been revealed. Plenty have not been. And we are, we're figuring out more about Zero's past as we go along, but they are the engineer of the ship, and to varying degrees of success. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we have a good time. Yeah, they, uh, they routinely get bullied by the ship, but then everyone gets routinely bullied by the ship. It's not very nice. It's not a nice ship. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a very kind ship. Yeah, as, uh, and Zero, as, as of recording this episode, because we're recording this on, on Saturday, the same day that we record for Light and Dice, Nathan and I are actually going to go straight from recording this to recording for Light and Dice. Uh, as of that, Zero has had their first opportunity piloting a ship. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that went well. It it went so great, and definitely nothing <laughs> crashed or broke. Um, No one died. It, it went great. Now, part of the reason that, that I enjoy your performance on Light and Dice so much, and, and part of the reason that I think it's so effective as Zero, is that you also, I believe, are, are an aspiring voice actor. That is the goal. That is what I am working towards, yes. Excellent. We will give you space at the end to plug your pluggables. So okay, cool. if anyone listens to Nathan's voice and thinks, hmm, I should get them on my thing, we will direct you to yes, where you can find please. them. All right. So before we hop into the episode, uh, we do have a couple of things. Uh, I have to issue a thing Charles fucked up. It's not a big thing Charles fucked up, but it will bother me, and it's actually from two weeks ago. Oh, God. I I incorrectly stated on the episode two weeks ago uh, that Echo was held on Scaro and not Skako Minor. If Echo were held on Scaro, they would not have gotten Echo back. Mostly because that's in a completely different franchise and also one of the most terrifying planets. Scaro is the dollar homeworld from Doctor Who. Mm, yeah, it probably wouldn't have worked out very well for this so show. I would really love to see fan art of Echo as a Dalek. That that could be interesting. Oh, no, don't. Don't <laughs> put that You've out already... into the world. Oh, no. Anyway, no. Echo was on Skako Minor. That is the planet uh, that Sabe and uh, Ochi of Bestoon are currently visiting in the Vader comics. It is Ooh. not Scaro. Oh, yeah. the The current run of the Vader comics is interesting. It's really yeah. interesting. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I've read a bit of it. I've, I'm very, very behind. Uh, it is good. I would say it is probably the second weakest of the four runs right now. So of the four main runs, there's four. Jesus. <laughs> and a bunch and a bunch of mini series. So there's a Yoda mini series. They just finished up a Han Solo and Chewbacca mini series. I think they just started. They just started Sonostaros, which did canonize Pink Milk. Uh, so thank you, Justina Ireland, for that. Um, no, the four of them, uh, Dr. Afra is easily the best one by far. Um, weirdly, Bounty Hunters has become my, my second favorite. Like, it, it had had a bad start, uh, like, really bad start, but it, it's really turned itself around. Cool. Uh, and then Vader, and then the mainline Star Wars comics, which are mostly just fine. That anyway, so it, gets, it gets so fucking expensive to try to keep up with them. Last week or something, I had to drop, like, just on the digital, I had to drop, like, 25 bucks just to get all of them. Ew. Okay, so normally we do a segment in the episode itself called Whose Goddamn White Baby Is That? It is the segment <laughs> where, it is the segment where I, a white person, watches The Bad Batch on my HD 4K TV in the dark at night and tell you how bad the whiteness looks on the cloak. Uh, Crosshair looks 
looks white as hell. The clone he's with, Mayday, looks fine. That was my impression of that because we have a better whose goddamn white baby is that. Okay. I am going to try to drop an image in the chat here. Now, Bradley, I want you to scroll down on this article. Okay. You're going to scroll past. Uh, it's, it's an article about new Echo and Tech action figures that came out this week. And oh, I want good. you to scroll down until you hit what Tech's face looks like. I'm scared. <laughs> you should be. Okay, record doesn't look that bad. Record um, doesn't look that bad. Um, uh, what happened to Tamora Morrison and why did they face tune his ethnicity away? <laughs> right? I don't understand what, the what fuck Sutter Sutherland, that is who that is. That's fucking Brian Cranston. That is yeah. not Tamora Morrison. That, that's exactly who that looks like. It's, it's yeah, if you compare Brian it Cranston. to the record one, you're like, wait, what's going on? No, that's fucking off. For, for our what listeners, for our listeners at home, uh, I want you to imagine if they crossed Brian Cranston uh with with Kiefer Sutherland and you kind of molded his face Jesus. onto Tex hairstyle from the show and that's what we're looking at like Wild. what Wild. I think I it looks like his hair is even lighter than it is in the show <laughs> absolutely yeah. well somebody pointed out i think it was sage pointed out on twitter and i agree uh he looks like that because that's how he looks in the show yeah. well yeah i guess you I've can't blame them yeah i, I consistently mean. said he's the worst one he's the worst one so um full shame to hasbro for whatever the fuck this is but like yeah. they are faithfully recreating recreating what we see on the screen bradley's looking over are, are you looking for your funko i'm trying to pop? look at my funko pop to see if it's any different yeah and you know what it's actually funny because so there's three different skin tones on the Funkos. So you have um you have uh Crosshair and Wrecker and um Hunter who are all the same. So ideally accurate skin color. Echo obviously is gonna be white as hell. The tech one, yeah, he's a lot lighter than the other Funko Pops that I'm just like, well, at least it's screen accurate, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean <laughs> you've accurately replicated how much whiter this character is yeah. compared to everyone else. Good for them, I guess. Yeah, so I I specifically saved this because I wanted to get Bradley's genuine reaction. That was pretty funny. To um, seeing this garbage. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, we've had a, so we had an original article come out. We had several articles come out in rapid succession. I'm going to summarize the high points of what matters briefly. So the articles will tell you what was important is that Kevin Feige and Patty Jenkins's movies are no longer being developed. Now I actually read the variety article that was a variety article uh okay. the headline was like feige and jenkins movies no longer being developed nothing in the fucking article says that the article recaps a bunch of stuff that we already knew like mm -hmm. jenkins isn't currently working on it uh but says that it's still in development she's just not working on it and she hopes to do it that was from like eight months ago Right. Nine months ago, something like that. It may even be further back. It may even be further back than that. And Feige's basically waffles a bit about how busy he is and doesn't ever say, you want to know what the point of the article actually was? What was the point? Taika Waititi, a source told Variety that Taika Waititi, who's looking like he's going to be the next Star Wars movie, uh, may show up in his own movie. Uh, wow. Shocking. It's like, duh. <laughs> have, you, have you seen a Taika Waititi movie before? <laughs> Like, I mean, wow. I wouldn't be surprised if he made himself the main character. I mean, honestly, I like by that, some, <laughs> some reporting on it has suggested, and I, I didn't see this in the original Variety article to my recollection, but some reporting on it had suggested that he was in talks to be a, a starring role. Now, like two days after this came out, this was dumb, but I made a note because I wanted to talk about it. Uh, two days later, Bob Iger gets up. And basically reconfirms a bunch of stuff we already knew, but because a Disney executive said the words Star Wars in a public setting, we had to turn it into a whole article. Right. Which is basically, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, sequels did great. Rogue One did good. Solo was disappointing. After Solo, we were like, damn, we're putting these out too fast and we want to make sure that everything we put out is good. And I'm like, okay, that's basically the same thing he's always maintained about this. Um, right. uh, but this is, this is the whole thing that went around. Uh, so basically, 
quickly, the film news at present is that it looks like we're not getting Jenkins film or uh, Feige's film for a hot minute, if ever, uh, and Taika Waititi might be in his own, and Igor did say they're also developing movies, so. What do you think of all that fucking nonsense, Bradley? I think uh, we're not getting a Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. I don't think we deserve one. I, think I don't think should, so either. I think we are. To us. No, they, they have discovered that we don't deserve one. We are not allowed to have one, and we shouldn't get one, and I don't want one, honestly, at this point, because if you're just going to keep shelving and not shelving and maybe shelving and who knows what's happening, maybe it's a development, maybe it's not in development, well, I don't care. Here's the problem, and, and you know this and I know this. The problem with Star Wars and also Marvel is that all of this stuff gets reported on way the fuck sooner than it needed to get reported on. Absolutely. Like, and part of this is on Lucasfilm. They should not have announced Rogue Squadron when they did. Right. They should not have announced it. They wanted something big to cap off their, their slate of TV, and they announced it way the fuck too early. Most of the time... All of this stuff just gets ignored. But because it's Star Wars, every time someone so much as breathes the word Star Wars in the industry, you have to blow it up into a full-ass article. Yeah. So, like, even the Marvel films, they're constantly switching people. They're constantly scrapping films. Like, this whole thing that Feige is doing now of, like, his 10-year plan or whatever, I really... I think a lot of those films are going to be shuffled around. So, like... <sighs> As disappointed as I am that, like, we're not getting more film news sooner, I am kind of like, I wish we wouldn't report on films until they were in pre-production. Because, right. like, anything could happen, guys. Yeah. It's the two things that irritate the fuck out of me in the film industry is reporting. Oh, just two? Yeah, I mean, there are pl plenty, but as it relates to this specifically too, is announcing a film way too early and announcing release. I hate release date filmmaking. Like mm -hmm. we're going to make this movie. It's going to come out here, make your movie. And then like, once it's done, then release it. Yeah. You know, that's a whole, 100%. Um, but like, I hate this sort of like we have to hit this release date which i think you know regardless on your feelings of rise of skywalker i think that i was know, about to bring that movie the, up the, i always say the biggest problem with rise of skywalker was its release date is it should not have come out as soon as it did but yeah i i hate people don't realize that most movies get started don't get made it is a miracle that movies get made at all like <laughs> most most movies don't get made so the fact that like all of this shuffling around is completely normal what ab normal is that we know about it right right 100 could literally could not have phrased that better myself all the shuffling is normal it's abnormal that we know about it i know somebody was mentioning and i'm not going to say who and i'm not going to say in what context because they deleted the thread specifically because they didn't want to get quoted or dragged into a bunch of nonsense but somebody who worked in the industry was talking yesterday unrelatedly on social media about how they had worked on like half a dozen different projects back in like 2019 2020 and only two of them have come out it did it even made it and these were ones where they had like hired people and put money into writing and in some cases filming them and they never made it out and like most movies that start in development yeah like somebody buys the rights to something and then kind of starts developing it and then kind of wanders off and never comes back uh that's what happened to my favorite anime of all time uh getting a Guillermo del Toro produced adaptation is he was talking about it and then it never got made and I'm still very bummed about that yeah uh, but yeah that was definitely I appreciate as frustrating as it is and how much it feeds the clickbait farm I do appreciate that Lucasfilm Kennedy and Disney uh, with Iger their stance is you're not getting a movie anymore until we think it's ready till we have a good one right and I'm like you know what we waited 12 no 10 years for The Force Awakens like we'll be yeah. fine we'll be fine uh and speaking of anime for reasons that I will explain later okay. uh it is time to hop into the Bad Bat Season 2, Episode 11. 12. 12. God damn it, I almost <laughs> said 12. There's an important lesson here in trusting yourself and also checking your fucking facts before you say them on a podcast. I will never learn that lesson, but here we are. The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 12, Fucking Crosshair Man. Bradley, you want to take us into, uh, into the episode? Absolutely. So this week we're discussing The Outpost. This week, a new friend is made on a harsh and unforgiving outpost planet. Uh, Nathan, since you're our guest, I'll let you go first. 
first. What is one thing about this episode you like and one thing you did not? Oh gosh, one thing I liked about this episode? Uh, That's just why. I, I, re- I really liked this episode. Um, <laughs> one thing, I liked how quiet it was. I really liked it felt sort of lyrical and poetic. Um, I liked that, you know, there wasn't a ton of dialogue. You know, there, there's a decent amount, but you know, as compared to other Bad Batch episodes, like I, I liked how quiet and they took their time and just sort of like let the images tell the story and i i really like episodes like that and uh, one thing i did not um there's not a whole lot i didn't like about this episode so i mean the one thing is you know what we talked about at the top is the the whitewashing is you know uh especially it, it was very apparent you know seeing these two clones against the white background of snow and i'm like they should be standing out a lot more than they are <laughs> um but uh yeah the 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 whitewashing is is the one thing i didn't like yeah so for me the one thing that i really liked i really liked how so we've been talking about like a hypothetical crosshair redemption art quote redemption art in in the fandom for years and years and years ever since season one episode one of the bad batch we've been talking about this and i liked how the ultimate moment of crosshair not turning on the empire but sort of realizing the empire is not the ideology he thought it was i thought it was really well handled i thought it rode that line very very well and the episode did such a great job of leading up to it it rode this line very well of okay he's clearly recognized that the empire is bad and maybe he does still have all of those tendencies that make him a fucking fascist but he has figured out that in practice it is bad uh and i I like that like he doesn't go on like a rampage and take the base out he doesn't go on like he doesn't immediately jump on a ship and race to join the bad batch and that was the other thing too is there's like consequences for his actions when he's that deep in like he doesn't just get to walk away and join the bad batch like this ends really badly for him but it's still a thing that he he felt like he needed to do uh the one thing i didn't like every time i watched that lieutenant nolan has annoyed me in terms of the writing and not in a good way not in a way of like i hate this guy and I want him to die because I do hate this guy and I want him to die. It's just the way he's written is so heavy-handed with the the clone racism thing that he's got going on and like everything's like the Empire's this, the Empire's that, and he's speaking for the Empire. And I'm like, I like this character and I think he's necessary. It's one of those issues to where I look at it and I'm like, one, feel like this could have been a little more nuanced of a character, and two, I don't see any other way you could have done this and effectively demonstrated the the crosshair switch that you needed to make. So that was my one thing that I disliked. Every time I watched it, I've been like, Nolan's dialogue maybe needed to be tweaked a little bit. What about you, Bradley? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. The main thing I liked was just a crosshair episode. You know, who doesn't love a good, you know, crosshair episode? I I think we don't get enough of him uh, in the show and it's because he's quote unquote evil and he's not a part of the batch anymore, essentially. And so I feel bad for that. But I'm glad to see that they're kind of slowly introducing this idea that theoretically he's going to kind of link back up with them. And one thing I didn't like, um, this is so random, but... But they talked about the ice vulture um, in this episode and we never got a real good look at it. Like I kind of wanted it to be this like otherworldly bird thing that just another alien thing, like just another creature to introduce into the zeitgeist. But I we didn't see it. We just kind of saw it like flying around, but we never got to like see it come down and really like get a design from it. So I don't know. That was just a nitpicky thing. Like I wish we could have seen another alien. We'll get to the ice vulture. We get to my thoughts on the ice vulture because that that could go a lot of ways. Alrighty, we open back at the uh, old Grand Republic Military Center, which is called something else. I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Wikipedia is not helpful. It it just says he's at a spaceport, and I'm like, yes, he's at the spaceport outside of that one specific building. I did look, I did check and see. Um, they have not taken the first Battle of Geonosis Memorial Wall down. So on my HDTV, I was able to get close and look and be like, is that still there? Because for a moment, I thought they'd removed it. It's still there. Crosshair's kind of hanging out outside the shuttle and an Imperial officer walks by. Did either of you recognize who this Imperial officer was? Um, no, actually. Because uh, I oh, recognized yeah, her yeah, immediately. Uh, uh, it's uh, Bragg, right? 
yep, uh, Shelby it's, Young's character. It's Captain Bragg being voiced once again by Shelby Young. Perfect. Quick refresher on Shelby Young. She's only Princess Leia Organa in Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, but she does a kick-ass Leia Organa in that. Like, so in the movie, in the New Hope movie, you'll notice when Carrie Fisher is on, like, some of the movie, she will do a British accent. And in some of the movies, she will do an American accent. And there's no real reason given for this. Uh, Shelby Young faithfully recreates that in Lego Star Wars, which is very cool. Um, But yes, she has returned to us as Captain Bragg, which I thought was a nice touch, giving her best customer service voice. (laughs) Yeah. Which I, as a former customer service associate, can appreciate. And then we meet uh, the most hated person since Pong Krell. <laughs> oh, boy. No one likes... I'm glad this is one thing we all agree on as as a fan community. Fuck Pong Krell. Fuck that guy. Except for there's that, like, one Twitter account that is, like, constantly, like... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke. Yeah, I would say I don't... <laughs> that's the thing. I, I, I can't tell if that's a parody. Satire, but... Somebody might actually be sexually attracted to Pong Krell, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I mean, I'm not gonna yuck your yum. I'm attracted to men. Like, this is already a problem I have. Uh, but I am on record as being an alien fucker. Like, I'm not going to judge too hard, but also, yeah. like, examine your life choices, please. <laughs> we are introduced to Lieutenant Nolan. Now, I thought, because of the way his voice sounds and how close it is to um, Masameda and Grand Moff Tarkin, I oh. thought this was Stephen Stanton. Like, I, I was firmly convinced this was Stephen Stanton, and then I pulled up the IMDb to double-check. I'm going to have to go after this uh, and and go inform my boyfriend that there was a thing Charles fucked up because that is not Stephen Stanton as the, as the voice of Lieutenant Nolan. That is a gentleman by the name of Crispin Freeman. Do you have any favorites of, of Crispin Freeman uh, that that he's been in? Yeah, yeah enlighten I mean, the, me. The uh, the biggest one for me is uh, he voices uh, Speedy slash Red Arrow in Young Justice. Um, which oh, was okay. My, my favorite shows growing up, um, and continues to be as they continue to make it. They keep going. <laughs> if they keep making it, but yeah, he he voices Red Arrow and just does a brilliant job with it. Um, he he's just he's a really great voice actor. He's you know a a, a coach, acting coach as well. Uh, his his podcast voice acting mastery has been really helpful for me as I'm trying to pursue a career in voiceover so i i love crispin and it was a joy to hear him pop up crispin freeman yeah has 393 acting credits yep he's everywhere he is fucking everywhere do you remember we mentioned yuri lowenthal bradley on on the last episode and i described him as the anime protagonist voice actor guy oh yeah 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 so uh crispin freeman is the other anime protagonist voice actor guy interesting okay so yes crispin freeman has been in a lot of things this is his first foray into star wars uh, amazingly he hasn't been in it yet it says he's in knights of the old republic oh shoot is he this has jag guy nico additional voices whatever that is he's not listed on wikipedia oh that's where his imdb says star wars that would make yeah let me let me let me pull up knights of the old republic and see you i was like that's your thing is knights of the old republic so i I don't know why i'm the one telling you yeah no uh wikipedia you missed that uh he is in knights of the old republic those Um, fools those fools <laughs> <laughs> you know actually i should have known that uh one of his recent episodes he did uh an interview uh, of his voice acting mastery podcast he did an interview with the actor i cannot remember her name but uh she plays uh juhani in in night's old republic they were sort of reminiscing about being on that game together and i Mm. should have known that also uh i have just dropped a link to a photo of him in the chat he does kind of look a lot like nolan (laughs) like they very clearly modeled this character slightly off of crispin freeman which to be fair i feel like they should do more often just because like 
well one for just the sake of like if you go look them up you're gonna be like oh yeah that does kind of look like that person it kind of feels like they're in you know i think it's because of the lead time on animation yeah the lead time on animation they don't they have to design these characters they probably knew they christman freeman was going to come do this role anyway i also also think with um you know with the mandalorian and you know now that we're having more animated characters transition into live action and vice versa i think they're trying to design the character models to look more like their actors so that if uh the opportunity arises they can play them in live action yeah i just saw a clip of uh of them talking about how dave filoni used to tell katie sackoff you know you're around the right age to play this character like if we ever brought this character into live action you could play her and katie was like yeah sure dave you know whatever (laughs) uh and now katie sackoff just is fucking owning this season of the mandalorian bo katan kreese you have an open invitation to just step on my neck repeatedly (laughs) anyway we have to move on so they're gonna head over to a planet called barton 4 we've never heard of barton 4 before it's just an ice planet uh Mm. because as we know from star wars planets are only allowed to have one biome this one is an ice planet i just want to note here that the the entrance shot where the the uh shuttle comes out of hyperspace and then it descends down onto the planet but it's like at an angle is one of the coolest uh, ship comes yeah. out of hyperspace and and goes down to the planet shots that I've ever seen. Easily, yeah, it's like upside down almost, right? It's like upside down almost, but not quite. Yeah. It's kind of like how you remember how in Rogue One they have that shot where the Death Star is pointing down at the planet, right? And people are like, "Why is the Death Star pointing down at the planet?" And I think it was Gareth Edwards pointed out that like. There's no up and down. In There's space. no up and down in space. <laughs> right. You've just only ever seen the Death Star. And then, yeah, and then we had whole conversations about it because it turned out the right. Death Star was upside down. Two is a reference like some toy from 1978 or something. Right. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a commercial. There's a there's like a it's like a board art. game or something. Someone yeah. pointed it out on our TikTok comments. Oh. That's right. That a a board game from like 1978 depicted the Death Star uh, upside down. I love when they play with upside down in so, space. Canon. Yeah. It's canon. This is. <laughs> this is why this is why I like the Timothy Zahn space battle writing because he's the only author that I've seen that takes the the third dimension of space into account when he yeah. writes his battles. Yeah, a lot of Star Wars battles are kind of you know uh, horizontal, planar. They're not, they don't play with the three sixty degrees as much as they could. Yeah, and I do like I do like how he writes it as like Coruscant. The Battle of Coruscant is the only other one I can think of where it plays with like up and down because that one's clearly like a lot more three dimensional than most space battles we yeah. see. Definitely getting they when they land on the planet. Definitely getting a lot of Subnautica Below Zero vibes. Uh, so shout out to the Subnautica series. It's incredible, but not if you have thalassophobia. I do highly recommend those games though. We meet Mayday. Now Mayday is being voiced. You'll want to take a wild guess who Mayday is being voiced by, Bradley? Um, if I was a betting person, I would probably say D. Bradley Baker. But if I wanted to be ridiculous and annoying, I would say Tamar Morrison. <laughs> <sighs> if only, if only. <laughs> No, it's Steve Bradley Baker once again doing an excellent job with his voice work. Gotcha. At one point when I was watching the episode with my boyfriend last night, I actually paused and I was like, just as a reminder, these two characters, Mayday and Crosshair, are being voiced by the same man. And he goes, I fucking know, Charles. Turn the fucking show back on. <laughs> what's, wild, what's wild to me is that uh, D has said that when, when they do these recording sessions, he does actually just switch. Switch. Uh, uh, that they don't, you know, record one track as That's one wild. character and then another. Like, he does just, just go. I have watched him do this in yeah. person. I was sitting in the audience at Celebration at the Bad Batch panel in May and I watched him do this in person and it literally is he just switches between the characters mm-hmm. like so on a dime me. it's incredible I do believe thanks however Star Wars military ranks are a mess <laughs> I I do believe that uh Mayday should technically outrank Nolan okay I thought about that during the episode I was like does does he? I, believe, like, I, was like... I believe the intention is that Mayday's rank as a commander no longer matters because he's a clone. Well, so, yeah, because uh, Mayday says lieutenant like it's an insult. Yeah, uh, gotcha. yeah. I believe that's the implication, which cool little background detail in the writing. 
that Nolan gets to be in charge despite technically being a lower rank. And it also goes back to um, to what Rex says in the very first, well, uh, yeah, it's the Clone Wars movie, he says it. In my book, ex- experience outranks everything. And Nolan, they make a point that Nolan is very inexperienced. Oh, he's clearly a Nepo baby. Oh, he's clearly a Nepo baby. <laughs> like his clearly daddy got him this job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this dude is wildly unqualified to be oh, here. Oh, for sure. His his parents were senators or something in the Republic or some some kind of... Tarkin's like, like his uncle yeah. or something. <laughs> yes. But let's, let's be fair about what's probably going on with Nolan and Tarkin. Let's be oh, fair God. about what's ha- probably happening here. I hope they're not related. Oh my god. Because we all know how Nolan got this job. Fucking daddy Tarkin. (laughs) See, and the worst part is I've I've never even interpreted that story uh, of MS3 and men. I've never interpreted it as being about Tarkin. It doesn't match with Tarkin's characterization in the rest of the book. But no one, no one wants to hear my theory as to who it is, uh, because we all just love the idea of Gay Tarkin so much. And I'm like, that's wildly inconsistent with the story where he's the point of view character that Pablo Hidalgo wrote. I'm like, mm, y'all don't want to know who I think that actually is. Mm, uh, I find it interesting when when Crosshair and Mayday have their conversation. I find it very interesting that Crosshair uses his name. Well, and he hesitates first before he gives it. Yeah, which I thought was a nice touch uh clearly he you know because this has been what did they say like a year later since it's been like a year since the empire took over it's it's been like a year and we'll get to that when we get to the the bit with the armor yeah so clearly you know and nolan refers to him by his his number um so clearly i think he's been used to only giving his number um and he you know he hasn't had any contact with the bad batch so like people aren't using his name so that might be the first time anyone's even said his name you know he's the one saying it but that might have been the first time anyone has said his name in a year well definitely since cody because there's also that there's also that great moment at the end of the cody episode where he's like uh why am i not working with ct whatever cody's uh number is apologies to jess (laughs) specifically for forgetting that <laughs> uh or he's like why why aren't i working with cody and rampart's like who right. he's like ct whatever and rampart's I, like I oh that motherfucker yeah i thought it was really interesting that crosshair kind of hesitates and then introduces himself by his own name because too i i think cody calls him crosshair but i don't think he ever refers to himself as such uh my next note is that's a lot of dead clones the really yep. effective shot where we see in the foreground all of the helmets yikes so i i didn't check but i'm about 99 percent sure that those sensors uh that they go around uh you remember they have the sensors i'm pretty sure those are the same ones that they try to put up in rebels or at least a a bigger version of the same ones they try oh, to put up in rebels yeah. in the uh the episode with the spiders which are not the same spiders as the mandalorian <laughs> different spiders right all the fucking spiders Thanks, Ralph McQuarrie. <laughs> Fucking mad about that. I, I did want to say I love uh, Mayday's armor, his sort of, you know, all these wraps. I don't really understand the purpose of them, but it looks cool as hell. Um, I believe it, it's supposed to imply his armor is falling apart. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I also think, you know, just sort of on a more uh, thematic level, you know, it's, you know, these clones are literally dying out like that, you know, he right. is uh, damaged. He is dying you know on his way out uh and mm. i think that uh that's you know, true being covered in bandages kind of communicates that let's also talk about the ice vultures okay ice vultures <laughs> the ice vultures because we get our first sort of real acknowledgement of them and they're just i like how they're in this scene they're literally circling over the clones as they're like dying mm-hmm. like right. i like the idea of the ice The ice vultures can symbolize a lot of different things, but in this case, I was like, oh, they are literally circling the clones as they're dying. That's a nice touch. Well, it's interesting is, you know, Mayday mentions that he admires their ability to survive. 
Um, so there is this sort of like dual symbolism of they are rep they represent the sort of inevitability of death. You know, they're circling overhead, just waiting from all to die out. But also you look up, you aspire to them because they're the survivors. They're what the clones want to be. They they want to continue on um, as uh, as the ice vultures are surviving in this intense, harsh environment. There's a lot of symbolism with the ice vultures. And I do think it's important that the ice vulture is always far away. I think Bradley yeah. would have wanted to see the cool creature. <laughs> I think it's important it stays far away. Uh, okay. Always just out of reach, always just a speck on the horizon, but always mm. something you can clearly see, like the inevitability of the end or the goal of survival in an unfair, uncaring, cold and desolate galaxy. See, I feel like we were missing a really cool scene where like it comes down on one of the bodies and it starts picking at the body and then like you get like a close up of like its face and it like screams at the camera and like cut to black. Like, that's what I wanted. <laughs> Speaking of symbolism, did either of you note the important moments in which Crosshair's helmet is off? Because... I didn't when I was watching the episode, but I watched uh, Star Wars Explains review uh, before coming on here and, and he brought that up and I was like, okay, oh, I haven't watched it. So this was just 100% something I noticed. When Crosshair has his helmet on and when he has it off is very important to the symbolism of what his character is going through. So when it gets blinded initially uh, by the explosion, by the attack, and he takes it off, he only puts it back on when he's going back out there uh, to go be a trooper again. And he goes out and he, be he becomes a trooper and then he takes his helmet off right before they find the armor and he never puts it back on. Well, it gets it is, knocked off by, it the, gets knocked av by the avalanche. Yeah, it gets knocked away, I think. I think he's holding it because he takes oh, it right. off before they look at the armor and then he's never wearing it the helmet again. Right. Maybe he wears out, puts that, gets the helmet put on to help him survive, try to survive. But Crosshair, like the moment he sees the armor and the moment he, he starts to have this revelation that, oh, um, this is bad actually what I've been doing. The helmet never goes back on, right. which I think is a really, really fun detail. Like he was blinded. Not only was he blinded by the role that he was in, but his humanity is starting to return as he is eschewing being just a cog in this system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, you would think, you know, putting his helmet on would actually probably give him a better chance of surviving. Uh, but he allows himself to be vulnerable and he keeps he keeps the helmet off. Uh, and yeah, as you said, as his his humanity is returning. Symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> it's Star almost Wars like film as a visual media. Right. <laughs> I did have a note uh, what happened to the troops that they brought that was answered in my next viewing after that. Uh, Nolan ineptly keeps two, his two troops that he brought back at the base, uh, the two ones that are actually uh, not injured uh, right. or have not been hanging out on this planet for ages, holds them back and sends Crosshair and Mayday out to go get the cargo, mm. which is just a dick move for no reason. Well, and you know, they very clearly, like you mentioned in the writing, it is so, so uh, obviously uh, the villain, so obviously a fascist, but even in his character design, he's bright blonde hair, bright blue eyes, like so <laughs> clearly a Nazi. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah. They, they were not know, subtle. It's not subtle. He reminds me a little bit of, like, a, a kid's, kid's version of Ralph Fiennes' character from Schindler's List. To where he's just a horrible fucking person. To where I just hate him so much. <laughs> Thank you, Crispin Freeman, for your vocal performance on this character. <laughs> because I fucking hate this guy. And just this, he's a dick. Uh, or, um, who was that? Christoph Waltz's character from Inglorious Bastards, the one that he plays. Although Christoph Waltz is a much better actor, and this has a much better, uh, or Inglorious Bastards had much better writing. But it's the same type of character in which he's just an irredeemable fascist. I'm like, I yep. fucking hate this guy. Uh, speaking of things I don't hate, though, uh, can we take a moment to appreciate the snow animation? Oh my fucking god. Do you remember when Frozen came out and there was a whole big deal made about uh, like, oh, we did all of this and this and this for the snow animation. And now I'm watching this Bad Batch episode and I'm like, holy shit, it looks like actual snow. 
Yeah, it just it continues to remind me of, you know, when uh when they were making the Clone Wars and you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that George funded that show with his own money because he wanted each 22 minute episode to have the budget of a feature film. Um, and, uh, it just continues to remind me, you know, how much the technology has progressed and how, like, you could put that in, in a feature film and that would, it would be gorgeous. And we would be talking about how amazing it was, but the fact that they can do it on a TV animation budget is insane. George Lucas is a fucking creep. (laughs) However, there are a lot of good things that I could say about the man. And one of the good things I could say about the man is he really believed in investing a lot of money in giving his VisFX people and giving his animation people the budget they needed to experiment and play with things. And that has continued into the the animation that's been done into the Disney era. Well, that was the reason why you know, the main reason why Clone Wars got canceled in the first place was it was just too fucking expensive. And, you know, Disney couldn't take the the financial risk to continue producing that show the way it was at the time. You know, they just dropped four billion dollars on the license. So, um, <laughs> but and then I also know there was some fuckery going on with Cartoon Network. Yeah, I mean, Cartoon Network was really unhappy with like the, around season four, the cracks started showing because they wanted to take the show in a darker direction. And um, Clo- uh, Cartoon Network was like, excuse me, the fuck. <laughs> so they were already having issues with, with the show. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I I think it has been said before by, by some of the executives that, you know, the show was just too fucking expensive to produce. That was definitely yeah. another reason. It was an expensive fucking show. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it in the early seasons. Like you go back and watch the early scenes and now and you're like, you're like what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then you watch, but just the progression of it up through season season six Absolutely. is like, this is some incredible progression. Like uh, season three was a real big turning point for it. But yeah, the animation, this is fucking beautiful. I love it so much. The entire scene with Crosshair in Mayday, uh, where he steps on the proximity mine, there's so much like underlying storytelling going on here in terms of like the lessons that Crosshair needs to learn is he needs to learn what it was that the clones valued again. And that was trust and camaraderie. These are the two things that they valued very, very highly that he's sort of forgotten. He doesn't know what it's like to have a brother since he sort of willingly cast his aside. Now he would argue with that point, but he's wrong. He could have gone back to them and he didn't. So he's forgotten what it's like to trust someone to this degree. And ultimately as, as Mayday's doing this ridiculous, like pin the mind to the ground plan, (laughs) Crosshair does end up ultimately having to take a leap of faith and take his foot off and he does do it. Uh, I just love this whole scene. Uh, that's my that's my only note on this scene because I was like, I love it so much. Yeah, there's a lot of um, you know vulnerability. He he literally he he's you know his life is in Mayday's hands and uh, he has to trust him, like he said. Um, I also think there's something there about you know Mayday mentions that he doesn't have the tools to properly disarm the mind because the he's and that he's asked for them that you know he has asked the Empire for supplies for reinforcements for all this stuff and the Empire just doesn't care right. um, and so they've had to improvise and I, I think there's there's a lot of messaging there about you know um, you know like Nolan says treating them like used equipment um, you know they they don't care they're they're uh, replaceable they're disposable he even yeah they've they've mentioned like the idea of of soldiers being expendable multiple times throughout the show and it's most readily apparent in this episode because there's learning some important episodes and lessons and one of the things that he has to learn which is so effective in this scene yeah i think the word vulnerability is the best one i've heard to describe what he needs to learn he's he is vulnerable in this moment and if he was by himself this would be it he would be done but he has to trust this other clone who he just met like an hour ago (laughs) 
<laughs> he has to trust this other clone to know what he's doing in a very Bad Batch style improvised plan. That's the other thing too. Crosshair likes parameters. He likes uh, people doing their jobs and this person having to improvise and say, well, I have kind of a wild plan to solve this. <laughs> and then Crosshair having to trust that, I think that's an important moment for the character. Crosshair uh, and Mayday come across upon the Raiders. It's another thing I didn't like about the episode. I do kind of wish the Raiders had gotten a little bit more uh, context for who they are, why they're there. Yeah, they uh, could have been anything. They could have been anything. We don't know, but we have to move on. There was a brief moment I thought they were like other clones that had rebelled. and then That's they what started, I thought too, yeah. They started speaking their alien language and I was like, oh. Yeah, okay, they're no, just like aliens that. that are wrapped up in, in designs. I think it's interesting that Crosshair shot in the mines is what ultimately takes the mountain down. I think there's a thematic element here with regards to the idea of the light side and the dark side of the force to where Yoda describes the dark side in Empire as quicker and easier, uh, but not always necessarily better. Crosshair opts to take the minds out as a way to swiftly resolve the situation. However, that is ultimately what takes the mountain down. So Crosshair's own use of excessive violence to solve this problem, a thing he's been doing for the entirety of the time we've seen him, going all the way back to the Clone Wars, that he loves to use violence to solve his problems, and this time has consequences for someone else who's not him, and is somebody who's fought alongside him. I think that's super important compared to Mayday's very careful and methodical disarming of the mind in the scene prior. Possibly I'm reading too much into this children's show. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little bit, but you know. Maybe. I think, no, I think, I think you've got something there. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot about, you know, you can't, you can't solve all your problems with violence. And that, that's an important lesson that, that he's got to learn. And, and yeah, it does cause the avalanche. So no, I, I, I think you're onto something. And also like the quick solution, the obvious solution may not be the best solution. Uh, you need to think and use your brain and consider the potential consequences of your actions before you act. So I, I'm going to answer a question that I was specifically tagged. And I also think Bradley and Nathan can also weigh in on um, why the fuck is the gear there? <laughs> <laughs> this was asked this was asked specifically of me it's like hey can you explain why the hell that gear is even there and i was going back and watching the episode and they've been guarding it for a year so they've been guarding it mm. around the time of revenge of the sith they moved a bunch of stormtrooper armor onto this planet and it's just been kind of sitting there storage facility for no reason other than it's remote i don't know like yeah I don't know that I have a, a canon answer. I think that right. that is more of a thematic thing of the thing they're guarding is the thing that will replace them. Um, I think that it's it's more about the the sort of thematic element. Uh, but as far as why the Empire would actually store experimental stormtrooper armor just <laughs> for a year on an ice because, planet, I don't know. Yeah. It's a beautiful thematic moment that ties into both the greater overarching themes of the show and the themes of this specific episode. But we all know I don't give a shit about that when there's a <laughs> hyperbolic Star Wars nitpicking to do. So here's what I think is going on. So my answer for everyone who is like, why the fuck is this here? It is answered by the it's been there for a year line. What I think happened is that Palpatine knew that he was going to replace the clone. He's always known he's going to replace the clones. So as Revenge of the Sith starts rolling up and he starts getting ready to enact his plans, he goes, okay, we need to be ready. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put caches of the Stormtrooper armor throughout the galaxy on random inhospitable planets that no one's going to think to look at. And that way, when we transition the clone troopers out, like Rampart, is trying to do and Palpatine ultimately uses to do it the second we have the defense recruitment bill up we will be ready to go with that armor 
We don't have to start manufacturing that armor. I think Palpatine was stockpiling it throughout the galaxy in preparation for getting rid of the clones. Like he was getting rid of the Jedi, but then he also had more plans within plans. Like he knew what was going to happen afterwards. And he was like, okay, I want to make this as quick as possible to transition the galaxy over into my own military. Uh, basically, Palpatine's behind it. That's my that, answer. I think that makes sense. And also, I mean... The way you just described it, like, that's that's exactly how the clones came to be, you know? Like, yep. 10 years before Palpatine, like, there was no war. There was no indication of a war. Um, but Palpatine was, you know, pulling strings and whatever. And, and so once, oh, God, there's this crisis on Geonosis. And then, boom, clones, they're there. So Yep. Oh, God, the clones are being phased out. Boom, we have armor ready to go to, for our new soldiers. Yeah. My next note, Nathan already covered. <laughs> uh, I had written down the, the armor is symbolic of the stormtroopers replacing the clones and the clones guarding their own replacement. Uh, so good job, Nathan, <laughs> for beating me at being me. I do love, I love, love. We were good soldiers. We followed orders. And for what? Talk about like an armor piercing question because it's been good soldiers follow orders, good soldiers follow orders, good soldiers follow orders. And the question is not why. The question is for what? What were we doing? Nothing. What did we? Nothing good. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And yeah, you know, and especially because, you know, obviously the good soldiers follow orders thing goes back to the Clone Wars. But specifically in this show, that line has specific resonance for Crosshair. Um and uh yeah hearing it fed back to him and being like for what um yeah it was really powerful i loved it it was it was fantastic uh there's an avalanche they get crushed um crosshair like goes and rescues mayday and then despite the fact that mayday is very obviously going to die crosshair drags him all the way back to the base anyway the entire sequence where they're just walking through the bleak whiteness and kind of like this show uh do the... <laughs> i'm sorry i'm trying to be fair and measured to this show but that one was so obvious and staring me in the face i just had to go with it uh it's an incredible sequence incredible wordless sequence just in the way that crosshair's face is animated the way that mayday's uh body is animated and how they move it's it's unbelievable yeah, and you know, and it ties back into his previous line of he he mentioned something about the the other soldiers probably just not what well they see a dead a dead person and and they're like well uh, I wonder what happened to him and and Crosshair's like well the others probably didn't want the dead want to carry the dead weight and so you and and then Mayday is like remind me not to like get on your bad side or something because he thinks oh this guy won't carry me. Uh, and then he does. I also love the the parallels. So we see a vulture circling overhead. And then about a minute later, uh, we see Imperial ships flying overhead. This is another symbolic interpretation <laughs> of the vulture. I like that one, yeah. The Empire circling the bodies of the clones because they mentioned the vulture. Uh, the vulture knows how, will have a good day if they die. The vulture always knows how to survive. Literally picking at dead things to sustain itself. Uh, I think it's no accident we also see the Empire flying overhead. There's also something, I think, with uh, the avalanche. And uh, there, there's a moment where Crosshair tries to out... It looks like Crosshair is trying to outrun it. Um, and the sort. I think that's sort of the last moment of sort of trying to avoid the inevitability. You know, the Empire of being phased out, of, you know, being disposable, replaceable that you can't outrun it 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 is coming down no matter what and i think that that is the moment i mean in reality the moment is you know carrying mayday but there's that moment of like oh i i can't outrun my fate this this shit is going down regardless of what i do it doesn't matter how how well i follow orders it is still going to suck for me so <laughs> yep Oh, good soldiers follow orders for what? For getting crushed by the impending avalanche that I started. I did this. Uh, they arrive back at the base. Now the stormtrooper who says, look over there, like in the background, uh, that stormtrooper 
is being voiced by Max C. Hampton, according to IMDb. It's important that I shout out this guy, Max C. Hampton. He's been in a lot of Star Wars in the background. He is uh, the story and layout coordinator for four episodes of The Clone Wars. He was the look development coordinator for 12 episodes of Resistance. And he's the associate production manager of assets for The Bad Batch, for 16 episodes of The Bad Batch. Uh, He's also, he's been a production assistant on a few different things. He was a VFX production assistant on Jurassic World. Uh, however, I do want to shout out that he was a production assistant for Soaring Around the World. <laughs> so now he is the voice, according to IMDb, he is the voice of this random stormtrooper. Nice. Which is kind of cool. Continuing on up in the world. <laughs> continuing their, well, they're continuing the trend of Bad Batch. I've noticed particularly this season will do it. If they have like a random one-off line or something, they'll get somebody from the crew to do it which is kind of neat and awesome. Uh, So shout out to that guy uh, for having a career. Good work. (laughs) I'm proud of you. I think it's interesting in the scene with with Nolan where Mayday dies that everything Nolan says is all of the same stuff that Crosshair has been told 20-something episodes. He's not saying a damn thing that's new. Crosshair's perspective on it has just changed. I see Bradley doing that little kind of like, Ah, where he knows I'm right. (laughs) He doesn't want to verbally acknowledge it. He has always thought I'm superior to the regs. I'm special. I'm the specialist boy. In the end, that he realizes they view me exactly the same. We've talked about minority groups before and how certain members of those minority groups will support political movements that are directly opposed to their own health and well-being because they think if if I support it, nothing bad will happen to me it will simply happen to all these other people but not me and the realization that oh no i was included in that too i i facilitated my own downfall because i thought i was a special little boy that's bad i think that is an important thing to do with this particular type of character like this whole idea that no no crosshair you were never special they never viewed you as special. They viewed you as useful. That that yeah, that's really good. I I hadn't really thought of Crosshair in that sort of entitled uh young man that fascists prey on and use. Um, but yeah, that that's that's exactly what he is. That's exactly <laughs> the the character that he is. And it just you know, it doesn't matter how much you help them eventually they will come for you too they turn on you too there was a story that was brought up i can't remember the guy's name but there was a nazi officer that was a gay man and they thought this guy was perfectly useful right up until they didn't need him anymore uh and then they executed him so that's the kind of thing that we see in these sorts of fascist movements is they love to have like their token people that they can say oh no we we're not anti-gay here we have this one gay man supporting us clearly we must be fine with the gays it's all you gays that are the hateful ones (laughs) it's all you gays that that don't support us we're we're only opposed to you because you won't support us you won't work with us and then the second they're in power, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You were clearly very mistaken about how this was going to go. And I think there's a lot of important real world value in the lesson of fascism will never see you as anything other than either a useful tool or a thing to be disposed of, which is fucking dark. <laughs> but it's the way it is. There are, however, no politics in Star Wars. No, no, none, none at all. None whatsoever. And Crosshair fucking shoots the guy. As he should. As he should. <laughs> Incredible. Which there, is correct. There is, uh, I'm going to actually, I, I, I want to share this image with you. Someone on Twitter pointed out. This is literally my next note. But oh my please, God. Please <laughs> drop it in the chat so that okay, Bradley yeah, can see it. I drop it in the chat. Uh, okay. At Hunter Bad Batch is the person I saw who pointed it out. Uh, that when Crosshair... Uh, shoots him, his shoulders are framed by two elongated rocks oh, that shit. look like wings. Damn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this was my next note because I saw this tweet because Nathan retweeted this. <laughs> so I actually stole this note from Nathan who stole it back from me. It's mine, damn it. 
There's been this inadvertent battle over the note. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's like a wing motif on crosshair, and now that I see it, I can't unsee it. And my next note is uh, LMAO, bye. <laughs> it's my reaction to Lieutenant Nolan getting fucking shot. Love that. Uh, and then Crosshair collapses, uh, the episode fades to black, and that's the ending, right? Nothing else happens? Nope. No Marvel end Nothing. credit scene here. No what's Marvel wild? end credit scene here? What What's really funny about this is I was talking to a co-worker about, about the episode, and he turned off his TV when it went to black. <laughs> <laughs> and then and Whoops. then someone told he was like i didn't realize there was more and i was like it's That's not even funny. a post credit scene he's like no it's not but it went to black so i assumed it was over <laughs> so i turned my tv off yeah crosshair wakes up on uh mount tantus uh and there is emery carr doing sedation on him and telling him the doctor will be in to see him <laughs> uh and and clearly we are maneuvering everyone into place for uh the final three episodes mm -hmm. which will come later after after the episode whose uh title we have been speculating on for weeks because i believe i believe isn't pabu the next one Abu is the next episode, so this is I, the next random episode. Yeah, that it'll we'll it'll be it, you know people will call it filler and whatever, and that's a that's a whole thing. But it it, it people are stupid and be wrong. Pretty pretty jarring. I will I will admit it probably will be like this was the dark you know introspection. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna guess that <laughs> this next episode is gonna be the best episode of the season. Everybody's gonna go, oh my god, that was the most introspective season or episode of bad batch i've ever seen that fire ferret and omega they just cuddle on the couch at the end of the episode and then <laughs> we're all bawling yeah we're all crying it's, yeah. it's sobbing uh i uh yep well nathan do you have any final thoughts on the episode uh thesis um, statement you want to put out i mean no i just i really liked it i you know and the other crosshair episode was my other favorite episode this season so i mean it, may, it makes sense i i like it when you know they're they're quiet and they take their time and they you know really get into the psychology of these characters and you know and when it's the a team it's fun but uh i i really like these quieter more introspective philosophical moments that are filled with thematic resonance yeah, my, well, Bradley, I'll do you next. What's your final thoughts on this episode? No, I, I am with you on that. I love just a, I love a Crosshair episode. I think he doesn't get enough screen time, unfortunately. And when he does, it's really good. Like, I feel like the Bad Batch likes to utilize the Crosshair episodes to be like, okay, now we can actually say something or now we can actually, you know, try to give meaning to a kid show, <laughs> essentially. Um, or we can go darker with these episodes or we can really like kind of dive into the themes of the Clone Wars, essentially, which was always kind of a more adult or more mature um, thematic show. So I like when they do Crosshair episodes. Yeah, my final thought is that Crosshair is a very complicated character, and I think that he requires a certain depth of time to spend with him to understand what's going on with this character. I think that part of the issue that people had with him in season one is that he really only gets the the episode three, the one where uh, they go back to Onderon and they have the squad, the replacements, the episode replacement. Uh, he really only gets that one to kind of explore where his head is at. And because they wanted to hold the twist back that he had removed his inhibitor chip at some point, uh, he didn't really get much of a chance to be an actual character in the first season. I think these two episodes have done for him something he desperately needed, which is give him some depth. And I've really enjoyed where I was worried about where his arc was going to go, but I am delighted to see that it has uh, it has been handled what I consider very, very well. I found it interesting when, you know, people are starting when like reactions to the show were starting to come out before the show came out because um, they they showed like the whole season to critics and stuff i think um and people were saying crosshairs are one is, like incredible one to 14 or uh, one, one through 14 people yeah. got screeners for the first 14 episodes they did not get them for 15 and 16 gotcha but yeah everyone was talking about oh my god what they do with crosshair is amazing that's like the loudest thing i heard and then i was like it, it's been two episodes which you know it's fine i'm not gonna you know talk too much about that but i was I was kind of surprised that that was the resounding reaction when it's only been contained to these two episodes. 
Alrighty, well, Nathan, other than For Light and Dice, a Star Wars 5e TTRPG actual play podcast set in the High Republic, where you can hear me and Nathan and previous guests Colton and Hope, along with uh, Chris from Dark Side Divas and Jess from RuPalp's Pod Race, uh, what other pluggables do you have, or where can the people contact you for voice acting gigs if they would like to? Uh, yeah, uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Hall of Fame. That's it's H-A-W-L, like my last name. Uh, and there I, you know, mostly tweet about Star Wars and movies and sometimes voiceover and stuff. But yeah, you can follow me there, DM me. Um, uh, or you can email me at hollyvoices, H-A-W-L-E-Y-V-O-I-C-E-S, uh, for voiceover stuff. Um, and uh, But yeah, otherwise you can hear me on, um, on For Light and Dice and... We're having a grand old time over there. And we're about to go record another Light and Dice episode in uh, an hour and a half. Yep. We're going to be back I, on the podcast, mics. I'm sure only good decisions will be made and everything will go hunky-dory and nothing will go off the rails at all, as it always does. We're such a tame, calm <laughs> show. We are not absolutely fucking insane. <laughs> Alrighty, well, Nathan, thank you once again for coming. Thank uh, you for having me. We will be continuing our coverage of The Bad Batch next week. Uh, although I do want to remind our audience that this show, uh, it is the official position of Gold Squadron Gays that uh, we support Bo-Katan Kreese. <laughs> Bradley's rolling his eyes, but I don't care. I have made it the official position. This is a Bo-Katan Kreese stand podcast. Alrighty, well... Bradley, go ahead and run the socials. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. That you scene. need to inform your coworker there's more than one ending to Return of the King. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't actually end when they're on the volcano. Like there's more movie. Like I promise you, it it, it does this three or four times. <laughs>